If you have a copy of the Word of God with you this evening, we'll be in John chapter 1, looking at some specific verses, uh, verses 11 and following. John chapter 1. I'm going to break this message into a couple of parts, so for this evening and then as well next week, uh, looking at uh, more specifically the Lord's work of calling and regeneration in our hearts and lives. This is the word of the Lord. Indeed, may he work faith in our hearts, even as we have our ears that are opened, all of the spirit uh, to grow in Christ Jesus in his word tonight. John chapter 1, beginning here at verse 11. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the reading of God's word. Would you join me now in prayer? Let's pray. Father, we once again come to you this night praying for your glory. Lord, your word is the inspired, inerrant, infallible word given of the Spirit. And so, Lord, as we open your word tonight, uh, feed us and strengthen us. Uh, We thank you that you know our souls, you know the inner man, uh, ponderings, meditations, cares and concerns. Lord, areas of opportunity and rejoicing areas of looking to you in faith. May in all these ways, O God, you direct our steps and be our pastor and lead us forth that we might ever trust in Christ Jesus, whom you've sent for our sins and for for life eternal. Lord, impart increasingly, impart to us the gift of faith, we pray. Be with us now. We ask in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. We have been staying in John now for a good five, six weeks, and we've, we've been looking at chapters, you know, back in 16 and 17. We've been spending the last two or three Sundays now here in John chapter 1, but it's been a theme verse for us that we've gone back to John's purpose, right? We've gone back to John's purpose back in John chapter 20, and we've latched on to that verse uh, 31 there where he's speaking to us that there are many other signs that he did in the presence of the disciples, but these have been written down, right? Remember that verse? These have been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's been a theme verse for us because that's John's theme verse in so many ways. He's telling us why he wrote this gospel. Well, our topic has been the doctrine of adoption, to be adopted into God's family, all of his grace, all of his legal grace to declare that we are in the Son and declare that we're in His family. So our question tonight, once again, do we want to grow in Christ as sons and daughters? Do we want to grow in the Lord, serving the Most High God in our day-to-day living? Certainly we want to be turning to Jesus. We want to be turning to the Lord Jesus Christ. We looked at last time something of that cosmic plan that He has in His Son uh, for heaven and earth. We spent some of our time, of course, looking at the creation but how our God is the Lord of creation. The earth belongs to the Lord. And uh, he's, given, uh, he's given also tasks for us uh, to carry out in this life. And if you remember last time, we wanted to stay in this chapter and see how 
Jesus, the very eternal one, the eternal Son of God, Jesus is linked back into Old Testament history. He's linked back into history. And he's linked back into history through these witnesses that are beginning to get spelled out to us. Now, John's introducing his gospel in this chapter, but one of the witnesses, front and center, you cannot miss it. Look at verse 6 and 7 for us uh, with us tonight. You can't miss this witness. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This, this is the Baptist, John the Baptist. He came as a witness, there it is, to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. The way that we're being linked in to Old Testament history, that Jesus is the eternal Son of God, but now manifest in the flesh and being linked into history. We said last time that John is the last prophet of the old world, right? Remember that. He's the last prophet. If Moses, whom we'll look at later, we reference him here in a moment. Remember, law came by Moses, grace and truth by Jesus, verse 17, verse 18 in our chapter. If John is the last prophet of that old world, Moses is then seen as the head of the prophets. He's called a prophet in Scripture. Remember that. So Jesus is being linked back into this old world of the Old Testament. And John, of course, we know John is that one who's going to say, I must decrease, he must increase. And so in thinking about John the Baptist's role, we're going to look at this theme of light a little bit tonight, particularly the theme of light and glory. Glory being an application of light. Story by story, Bible book by Bible book, there appears the glory of the old. We turn the page to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There's greater glory of which we are told. The Baptist by the Jordan was the prophet to humbly decrease. The lawgiver atop Sinai was the shepherd who led Israel from release. We're looking tonight at the Lord's glory. And these two witnesses, uh, John the Baptist and Moses, that glory is fading because this new glory with Christ Jesus is now dawning with this new world that's coming here in the beginning was the Word. But in light of John being a witness, it says to us here in the verse that he's bearing witness to the light. I'd like us to focus in on this theme of glory, this witness to the light, a theme of glory. Two points here this evening. Uh, the glory of God in Christ... And the glory of God in applying the work of salvation. The glory of God in Christ and the glory of God in applying the work of salvation. First, this glory of God displayed in Christ. You have it plainly for us in verse 14, right? And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. You see, as John is bearing witness to the light that all might believe, uh, John, the gospel writer, is linking this brightness and this splendor of light that he's the God of all glory. Here's the eternal one manifest now here before us in the flesh, and he is glorious. Next week, we'll look more at this business about him in the flesh, this business about being the one who tabernacles in our midst. I'd like just to focus in tonight on the word glory. That's, that, once again, is that verse at verse 14. The word glory uh, from the Old Testament means heavy. means heavy. It's kind of a funny word, right? Uh, I, can, uh, I can remember when I first took Hebrew out of the Old Testament. 
So that would have been very early 80s, 82. Back then the professor said, he told us one way to remember this word for glory is, remember back in the 60s we, we used to say something is pretty heavy, heavy man, heavy. <laughs> it's heavy. And that helped drill in that vocabulary word for us, right? <laughs> yeah, Stephen knows, yeah. It means to be heavy. It's, it's, uh, it's rounded out in relationship to how men treat other things. There's something of significance here, something of importance. That's the idea, weighty, heavy, something of significance, something of importance. Sometimes it would be to recognize a king, to recognize a judge, someone with influence. We would say that person is holy in the sense, in, or sorry, full of glory in the sense of being weighty, significant, important to give them honor in that regard. Again, verse 14, we've seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The New Testament word is doxa. And we know about that word, right? We know about that word, doxa, when we sing the doxology. We sing the doxology. This is a word related to giving an estimation about something, to give an expression about something. When we sing God's praise with the doxology, we're giving expression. We're saying he's worth it all. He's the glorious one. He is indeed um, the one receiving expressions. Just like, again, a great person, like a king, there would be expressions uh, to be placed upon that person. We would give someone glory. Out of the New Testament, we'd give someone glory. That is what? To give him honor. Honor to the person, honor to his calling, honor to his reputation. Such things are called for to honor him or her. But do you see why glory, though, is associated with God who is light? The Bible teaches us God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. 1 John, back in the first chapter. He lives in unapproachable light. He's weighty in his position. He's weighty in his reputation. He's weighty in his praise. He's the one who has all honor. He's the one with all brilliance in his splendor. He's glorious and he's radiant in his ways. And so many of the Puritans would unearth this matter of brightness and brilliance and splendor uh, of the great God of glory. Because they knew that's his weight, that's his significance, that's his reputation, that is his splendor. Again, I like what Paul says back in 1 Timothy chapter 3, I believe it is. He dwells, sorry, chapter 1. He dwells in unapproachable light. He is the king who is eternal, immortal, invisible. The only, the only wise God, that's who our God is. And one like Thomas Watson, an old Puritan, would say, this is the Lord in his light, the sparkling one of deity. Again, that's his weight, that's his reputation, and that is his splendor. Now our question tonight, so what? <laughs> so what? When it comes to responding to the Lord in John chapter 1, when we start to first look at some things about responding to the Lord, we have it again with John the Baptist's own bearing witness and testimony. Why does he witness to the light? So that those 
There might be those who might believe in the Lord. We might believe in the Lord. There's only one way to approach the living God. (laughs) There's only one way to approach the God who dwells in unapproachable light. It's by faith. He's altogether full of splendor and majesty. And so when John the Gospel writer begins to lead us down in these verses of how are we to respond to this eternal Son of God? How are we to respond to the one who has in him all life and all light? And that light indeed is shedding here in this dark world. John is saying it's only by faith. Jesus comes to enlighten this dark world. He comes to shine the light. He comes to illumine. He comes to illumine how you're a creature. He comes to illumine your finitude, your weakness. He comes to illumine your sin, your guilt. He comes to illumine that he is greater than your sin. He comes to illumine that he is your righteousness. He comes to illumine your heart and enlighten the mind that indeed he is full of glory. And so being united to Christ, I cannot fathom this, but to be united to Christ by faith, is to be brought in to the presence of the glorious one. Sons and daughters of the Most High God tonight, it is by faith in Christ and faith in Christ alone that we indeed are brought near to the Lord. I like what the hymn writer says. My hope is built on nothing less, right? Remember that. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Even when we go through dark times, is what the hymn writer is going to capture next. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest upon unchanging grace. In every rough and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. And this is why John, the Baptist, is the one sent of God He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. The God of all glory, the God of weight and majesty and splendor, now manifests in Jesus. Our trust is in him. And our hope is secure in him. For he is our life and our light and our righteousness. A second point now. His great glory in applying the work of salvation. His great glory in applying the work of salvation. Look at verse 11. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. 
See, verse 12 is telling us here, there are those who receive Christ and who believe in His name. Verse 12 has it there. To all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become sons and daughters, children of God. But verse 13 qualifies it well for us that those who are to receive Him are those who have been born of God. That's what verse 13 says. Those who were born, who become children of God, were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. There it is. So verse 13 qualifies it that this is God's work. <laughs> verse 13 is telling us, in so many words, do you want to learn from the gospel who's on first base? <laughs> Who has priority? Who's the weighty one in all splendor and majesty? The dominion of sparkling deity? It's God Almighty. There's no meriting here. There's no coming to the realization that you have a spiritual inclination in your own strength. You see, what, what John is getting at, those who do respond, those who become children of God, who have that right and that privilege to become uh, children of God, God is all the while working. We embrace the gospel not because we're smarter, not because we have a spiritual inclination, not because of a family background. Indeed, we embrace the gospel. We come to Christ because God is the one who calls us, who changes our hearts. As Ezekiel says, he takes that heart of stone and what? Boom! Gives us that heart of flesh. This is God's work. We refer to this as that single, generated, single, originating call and regeneration of God. This passage is stripping away, stripping away completely any thought that man by his self-righteousness or his pride. I like what one author says. There are men who think they, they hold to the doctrine of Sola bootstrapsa, right? You've heard that before, sola bootstrapsa. We don't believe in sola bootstrapsa. <laughs> Pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. No! We, we, we preach, we teach, we open the word, and it's God's pure mercy and grace. And that's why there is this link in the chapter between John the Baptist being a witness to the light and God's glory. God gets the glory for salvation. God gets the glory for salvation. That's why John's purpose statement, the gospel writer's purpose statement back in chapter 20 again, is that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. That is who's declared here in the gospel. And that believing in him we might have life in his name. God is glorious, merciful, the God who comes to us. I'm going to read you a few paragraphs as I close now about a writer. Uh, I've, I've read this man several different occasions. He was in youth ministry for years and years and years, and 
in my own interest in youth ministry over the years, I would read him. But he tells the story so well about God's glorious grace. Five years ago today, he writes, five years ago today, my world changed forever. A 30-year chapter closed unexpectedly, and nearly everything I knew, wanted, and loved all went away in but a moment. Like a devastating fire, my life was reduced overnight to ash and rubble. Fear reigned. Shame bubbled. Anger barked. Doubts emerged. Guilt punctured. Confusion, confusion rose. Depression descended. It was a dark, weary journey of the soul where nothing was familiar to me. Nothing made sense. Nothing was salvageable. I spent many a night weeping, even wailing, over what used to be and never would be again. I was jobless. I was broke. I was deep in debt. I was alone. I was hopeless. I never envisioned my life would turn out this way. It was done, or so I thought. But my friends, he goes on to say now, my friends, God is good, and he never wastes a hurt. He never wastes ruin. It's in the utter darkness that light is most gloriously experienced. It's in the utter darkness that light is most gloriously experienced. Though blinded by fear and doubt, anger and shame and guilt before Almighty God, I went to his promises in Christ. I went to his promises in Christ, and there all things are new. All things are new. New love, new journeys, new dreams, new opportunities. He's almost done here. New hopes, new traditions, new friends, new happiness, new peace, new joys, new attitudes, new habits. It's being a new man. <laughs> This writer, he concludes with those words to repeat once again, it's in utter darkness that light is most gloriously experienced. My friends, I don't know about you, but as God illumines more and more, even in Christ Jesus, even, this is his good gift to us, even in Christ Jesus, he illumines more and more our sin, our foolishness, our ways of pursuits where it's folly and empty, a dead end, as we say. In that utter darkness, light is gloriously experienced. All things are made new in Christ. Jesus says to us back in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I need that gospel every day that I live. That God in his mercy is the one who works. And I, I, I come and just lay it out before him. That's to say, cast myself upon him. As this writer says, 
I went to God's promises in Christ and there all things are new. That's the practice of sonship. That's the practice of being a daughter. All things being made new and he walks with us in his glory. He's the one who makes that application to our hearts. And we turn to him to walk in faith. Let's pray. Father, this renewal is something that we continually lean upon you. You're the one who works in grace. You're the one who's full of mercy. You're the one who has pity. And so in Christ Jesus, working in our hearts to regenerate our hearts and to call us forth to place our faith in your Son. Lord, this is that solid rock, a foundation upon which we build life. Faith in Christ, faith alone, and in Christ alone. Lord, may there be such a work in our hearts of gratitude and thanksgiving to live for the Lord, to walk with the Lord who is light altogether glorious and to walk in him who is the light of life. Would you take our lives and direct our steps to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. We thank you for the rich grace in your salvation. Saving grace, saving mercy. We give you thanks now in Jesus' name. Amen.